All right, everybody. Welcome to BO Boys for Thursday, November 16th. F it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, we're giddy. We're giddy. Yeah. we, we, We teased the audience on our last episode. We said... This man's schedule is as hectic as as anyone's in the entire world, and so we couldn't guarantee it, but he came through. Here he is. The box office daddy is back. Scott Mendelson has returned to the B.O. Boys. Scott, thanks for joining us. Hello. Uh, good to uh, see you. Happy to be here. It's been a while. It's been a while, and a lot has happened. Yeah, we were figuring out it was sometime late uh, midsummer was the last time we talked. So was, a lot has happened since then. It um, was right after the Barbenheimer weekend. That's right. Yes. So since Barbenheimer, I mean, this is this is the year, and it's weird saying this after the Captain Marvel failed, but I would say this is the year of girl power at the box office because since Barbenheimer. Taylor Swift, the Eras tour of the movie dominated. So, you know, we want to get some quick thoughts from you. Did Taylor Swift save movie theaters this fall? Um, not long term. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly Kept them gave afloat. the you know the theaters a kick in the ass that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Frankly, that I mean, I'm not even sure that Dune Two would have pulled in that kind of money, at least domestically. Worldwide's a different conversation. Because what's right. going to do about one, what's that, like 175 or something at the moment? Yeah, um, yeah. Dune, the first Dune did 100. Yeah. Yeah, the first Dune did 100, you know, $8 million. And yeah, the second one probably would have done more, but how much more? Which is, right. you know, sort of an open question. I mean, I'm, I've always been of the opinion it wasn't that impacted by the whole HBO Max day and date Project Popcorn stuff, just because huh. you, you films like Conjuring 3 and Godzilla v. Kong did as well, if not better than they otherwise would have done, even with that in place. Um, and even overseas, where everybody was understandably concerned about piracy, not that there's no piracy in America, but whatever. You know, it's not like the film dropped like a rock overseas as soon as it became available on HBO Max. It right, stuck right. around even those overseas territories. So right. it's possible the film did as well as would have been expected, which in non-COVID times, honestly, not quite a hit. Right, we're talking, you know, golden compass numbers here. Um, so Taylor Swift, yeah, that was a, I guess, a a solid win for the box office trading Dune two down the line and getting Taylor Swift. But I mean, let let's let's get your take on what happened this past weekend. So we had the Marvels opened up, and what was the final number after all the handering? Forty seven, I think. 46 47 it ended up going in 46 yeah okay so listen way under what anyone would have thought it would have done a month ago two months ago a year ago when it was greenlit so i mean the big picture question is the are we beyond superhero fatigue and into full-on decline like what is the state of you know the the genre that carried movie theaters through the 2010 superhero movies where do you see the state following this the marvels opening weekend well i'm reluctant to say it's indicative of any giant you know people don't care about superheroes type thing for a couple reasons first of all spider-man across the spider-verse did 690 million Mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy volume three did 850 something you know it did about as well as the last one 
And it did about as well, weirdly enough, in China as the last one, which is really unusual for any Hollywood movie in China for the last three and a half years. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I think what we're seeing is that the comic book superhero film, even from Marvel and DC, are far more execution dependent than they used to be. They're not getting arguably the free pass that they got in, from 2016 to 2019. Mm. Um, now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm thinking, you know, that doesn't mean I'm saying Venom would have flopped in, you know, in today's circumstances, but I do wonder to what extent it's $80 million opening weekend and, and bonkers bananas, 200 million plus domestic total sight unseen um, would have still occurred in a world where these films weren't automatic events unto themselves. Right. Um, right. Because obviously we've seen, you know, this is something that's been something of an issue for comic book superhero movies for the last few years anyway. You know, to use obvious examples, you know, Joker making a billion dollars didn't make Birds of Prey a hit, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, Venom did not make Morbius a hit, unfortunately. Right. Um, but, and obviously Fox pre-Disney, you know, was already getting its ass kicked with, with X-Men Dark Phoenix. Right, right, um, right. We we did have our bombs, but then, I mean, you look at those salad days for the superhero movies. We used to look at something like the Justice League or Batman v Superman as bombs, and then those movies. When you look back, I mean, Justice League topped out. It made six hundred fifty-five million dollars worldwide. You know, Batman yeah. v Superman made what eight nine hundred million, and and those were seventy-three. Uh, incredible you know this captain marvel 2 the marvels is gonna make less than five nights at freddy's worldwide i mean did you did did you see that coming so scott the five night before we get back to superheroes the five nights at freddy's phenomenon at what point were you feeling like wow this is this is real this is coming this is here because i mean a few weeks out Okay. When the tracking seemed to match with the online hype, which of course mm-hmm. isn't always the case. And honestly, I would have been, you know, a believer, pardon the expression, much earlier if they hadn't put it on Peacock. While obviously that did not really impact the box office in any real way. Right. I think we all correctly surmised that they were putting it on Peacock because it was not a good movie. Right. You know, think Firestarter, for example. Um and I think in this case, A, it's not a good movie, all due respect, but it's also a movie that they knew wouldn't have legs. The fans would show up and the film wasn't good enough to preach to the unconverted. Right. And it right. would flame out pretty quickly. So you weren't giving up that much in terms of whatever theoretical streaming value you were getting by putting that on Peacock. And, you know, it's, it's other people have said this and I don't think they're wrong, you know, as much as I don't care much for day and date releases, releases on principle, I don't think there's anything wrong with Universal once a year doing that for a horror film around Halloween. Mm-hmm. As sort of one, eight, one, we do this one time a year for a horror film late October. You know, it's it's sort of a fun thing we do for the holiday season. Right, right, and, and it seems like between that and the the Halloween sequels, the previous years, even though those did. Not do well the last two Halloweens, or did less than the previous they ones. They still did very well by rational standards, right? And, by and, that and I mean, Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills actually made dropped less from Halloween than did the first Halloween two, and I think Halloween Resurrection from Halloween H two O. Interesting. Uh, and then it made about the same, give or take, 
percentage-wise, what a zombie's Halloween 2 did from Halloween. That remake. Interesting. All so basically, they're all fucking called Halloween. They're all um, yeah. I, yeah. Um the uh you have the the famous theory. I mean, uh, th- this is, you know, this is now studied in science labs all over the country, the Tomb Raider trap. Do you think Five Nights at Freddy's is a possible candidate someday for the Tomb Raider trap if they could actually make a quality sequel, you know, where <laughs> let, let's assume somehow speak out of turn, but I think the creator being as involved as he was probably didn't help in the same right. way that the sequels to Twilight and the sequels to 50 Shades of Grey, which mm-hmm. had a lot more input from their authors, were not as good, respectively, as the first respective films. I mean, we're coming up on 15 years. I will defend Catherine Hardwick's first Twilight is a genuinely good movie. Uh, the sequels, that's a more complicated conversation. Right, um, right. But to answer your question, yes and no. It. I, I don't necessarily expect a Five Nights at Freddy's Revenge to do as well as this film did. Mm-hmm. You know, people were just curious the first time. A lot of people didn't like it. But, I mean, this would cost like $20 million. Mm-hmm. Even if they go crazy and spend $40 million on the sequel and it only does you know, 150 worldwide, which would be about half of where it's going to end up. Oh, well, um, right. You know, 150 worldwide would have been a nutty figure months ago for this film, let alone a sequel. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So yes, I do think that's probably going to happen where they're going to make a better, or at least more propulsive and crowd pleasing film mm-hmm. that will thus gross less partially because people didn't like the first one, but I think as long as it's cheap enough, it's almost irrelevant. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, the the original the the Tomb Raider movies. The problem was they also just cost so much money, and the yeah, yeah, these were all generally problem. expensive pictures. When you talk about you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows and uh, Adam's Family Values, and um, you know, the Suicide Squad. That was right. a big one. But, you know, so so back to the superhero issue, the the Marvels <laughs> issue. We want to throw something at you, a, a theory that we talked about coming out of this opening weekend was that the quality of this Marvel's movie didn't really matter. The, this box office opening weekend felt almost pre predestined to be like months out. You know, our our theory will throw at you if the release dates had been switched. And the Marvels opened last February and Quantumania opened this weekend. I feel like they would have done the same numbers. The Marvels would have made a hundred million last February and Quantumania would have opened to 40 or 50s. You know, that our theory is almost that there is just a decline in interest that has been continued. You know, you saw it with the DC films. Look what Blue Beetle did over the summer. People are just getting less interested in the non-marquee character. So what do you think of that, that there has just been, like you said, Spider-Man made huge money, Guardians made huge money, but in the non, you know, major, major iconic characters, people are just getting sick of these, these movies, and it's happened throughout this year. I think that's a very strong theory, and I, I that is something that's been thrown out. And I think part of it is because Ant-Man and the Quantum Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania was so awful. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I say that as someone who really likes right. the second Ant-Man quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I would argue that's the worst movie Marvel Studios has ever made. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and I think if you want to talk about Tomb Raider trap, I mean, is it 
and it's it's hard to because Marvel is so weird. But it's like, did Cap did, did the Marvels pay for the sins of Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and Secret and the stuff that anyone watched it, Secret Invasion, and all that yep. stuff? So if that opens at the beginning of the year, a does it open better? And B does the overall narrative around Marvel is that better because they're not dealing with this god awful movie, right? You know, right at the beginning of the year that you know has rough special effects and. You know, it's intended to set up the new villain. Right. And now, of course, Jonathan Majors theoretically, you know, I don't know how butterfly effect we're getting here, but theoretically, Jonathan Majors still would have been arrested for domestic violence in mm-hmm. late March, early April, or whatever that was. So that right. still would have been, you know, been an issue in future tense. Right, um, right, right. Unless somehow well, the reviews from Quantumania caused that incident. I mean, we we don't know. You're right. Yeah. Once you change any, you know, you, you step on a worm in the past, you could start World War Three in the future. Uh, Who knows? Well, we know because yeah, yeah, this is a multiverse we're talking about. Right. Multiverses is so popular nowadays. So I, is, I am still, I will swear that absent the COVID pandemic and choices that were made by Warner Brothers during the COVID pandemic, that DC would still be riding high. I genuinely yes. believe that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, Blue, that, Blue Beetle yeah. is really a movie. That, and I, I have not seen that, but I've heard, like the Marvels, it's pretty fun. But that is a movie that really paid for the sins of the previous years of DC. Yes. It, it's If that movie had come out 2017, 2018 mm-hmm. even, I don't think it would have been a super duper smash, but it would have been a solid moneymaker. Right. And that's right. what pisses me off. And I know I talk a lot about this a lot, which is that intentional or not, DC and more so, I would say Marvel basically waited until almost the end of the superhero boom to genuinely diversify their lineup. Mm-hmm. For the mm-hmm. vast majority of the so called Infinity Saga, they kept saying, don't worry, guys, we're going to get diverse soon. We're going to have movies starring women and minorities soon. Just, just you wait. And what do we get? We got a you know two movies, two very good, very successful movies that came out as basically penultimate episodes before the finale. Right. I got to ask you what what has happened to any continuation of Shang Chi? Because I mean, we kind of look at everything post End Game as all the Marvel movies failed. You know, aside from the Spider Mans and the iconic characters, the Thor sequels, but Shang Chi. Was a you know 2021 you know still COVIDy times, but a open to 90 million dollars was it was a full on yeah. hit. And I you know listen, we're not plugged in on the scene in Hollywood the way you are, of course, Scott. But I have not heard any peeps about just straight out doing a sequel to that movie. Well, I'm sure as you know that a, a Destin Daniel is it Destin Daniel or Daniel Destin? I can never remember. The I think lovely it's Dustin director first. who made. Okay, Destin Daniel Cretton, the guy that made the awesome short-term 12 and the very good Just Mercy. Um, mm-hmm. He is no longer directing Avengers King Dynasty. Okay. He left. That was announced today. Wow. But they is swear that movie that, a thing anymore? Well, that's a good question. That's I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Uh, they swear that he is still developing Wonder Man for Disney+, Plus, a television show, and he is still working on... Well, he's still shooting that, and that was a strike interruption. Uh, and he's still developing a Shang-Chi sequel. Okay. Uh, I'm disappointed because I think Shang-Chi is, give or take Guardians 3, far and away the best post-Endgame Marvel thing we've gotten, mm-hmm. be it television, movies, or whatever. And I think it's one of their best standalone solo movies, period. 
Right. Oh, I right. thought it was freaking terrific. And judging Jeanette. by the reviews and the word of mouth and the legs, it legged out to 235 from a 94 million four-day opening uh, during a time when even Marvel movies weren't that leggy. Right, um, right. It made Labor Day a weekend that, that yes. counts now. It yeah. made that it made a holiday. How many movies I mean, could say it was they the made biggest grossing Labor Day release ever in one weekend? Yeah, by far. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's it's because it's so standalone because it's not necessarily considered part of the big multiverse saga or whatever. It does tend to not be included in the conversation. Um, that being said, I think you know if you want to break it down, just movies, TV shows in a second. Yeah, movies. Okay, put those aside. Twenty twenty one, Black Widow, and was compromised by being available for 50, you know thirty bucks or on Disney Plus. It did three eighty worldwide. Did about one hundred and thirty million worth of Disney Plus figures, and we can try to pretend what would have been ticket prices, yada yada yada. But let's let's be nice and say that that release was compromised. I don't think the movie ever would have done anywhere near a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Six hundred mm-hmm. seemed reasonable. Yep. Same thing with Wonder Woman eighty four. It was never going to do a billion dollars, but six fifty seven fifty seemed reasonable. Mm-hmm. Was it as good as the first one? No. Was it as crowd pleasing as the first one? No. But it wasn't going to like you know it wasn't going to pull an ounce for the Looking Glass, right? Um, but partially because the opening weekend probably would have been freaking huge, so it would have been you know mitigated some of the bleeding. But anyway, mm-hmm. so you have in Shang Chi's a giant hit. Elementals is their first unmitigated flop. Now, okay, the Incredible Hulk flopped in June of 20, 2008, but you know that never counts for whatever reason. Um, and what happened in 2022? Here's what's weird. In 2022, all three Marvel releases, the Disney ones, did spectacular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they weren't playing in China. They weren't playing in Russia, which skewed the grosses. So it made it look like they were less successful than they actually were. Because mm-hmm. that was what Black uh, Panther two, Black and... Panther Wakanda Forever made eight hundred and sixty million dollars, uh, including four fifty domestic for the one eighty opening. So it led. Right. Um, Thor you know, two, Thor had, three, another one hundred and twenty five to one hundred and fifty from China and Russia, which mm-hmm. wouldn't have been out of the question in pre COVID times. And that's an over under billion dollar picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder earned seven hundred and sixty worldwide, give or take. Again, wow. without you know, give that 160 million in China and Russia, and you have a 900 million dollar picture. Mm-hmm. And if you do like for like comparisons, it made more money in the markets in which it played, not adjusted for inflation, than Thor Ragnarok. Wow! So in like for like, it was more successful than its predecessor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we know what happens when four, part four's bomb, Batman and Robin. Um, right. But and then you know. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which for some ridiculous reason, too many pundits who had no idea what the hell they were talking about thought it was going to be like a glorified, you know, straight up sequel to Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. No way home. Yeah, yeah. So I've, 960 million without China, without Russia. It is still the third biggest Marvel movie without Spider-Man or Iron Man, period. Right, right. And and has to be the biggest sequel jump of any of these yes. Marvel movies from one to two. I mean, that that is a gigantic uh, leap from there. one to two. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty And I, I'm going off memory, but I'm pretty sure Captain. Uh, I'm pretty sure Captain America, Winter Soldier to Captain America, Civil, Civil War, which right. to be fair, that was, you know, Avengers 2.5, yada, yada, yada. Well, right, and I right. think that's where these are similar because the Doctor Strange sequel was a, a sequel that encompassed a lot of strands that were going on in the Marvel yes. universe. And um, 
Can I ask a quick question? Because I think the other no. headline. Okay, I'll stop talking. Um, <laughs> the the other headline that has come out over the Marvels is Gen Z doesn't care about Marvel. Have you seen these headlines with 19% of people between 18 and 24 went to see the Marvels compared to in their heyday? Now, is do you think, Scott, this is just an outlier because of this movie? Or is this a warning of things to come? I think it's a warning of things to come in the sense that they need to do work. And again, these are not insurmountable problems. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily super optimistic that Fantastic Four, the fourth version of that, and X-Men and Blade are going to save the MCU the way a lot of other people are. If for no other reason than A, we've seen all those properties before. And B, if the core idea of the MCU <laughs> is no longer an event unto itself, and it's quite possible we're there already then the mere notion of, oh, another X-Men or, oh, another Blade or, oh, another Fantastic Four is far, far, far less appealing to general audiences than it would have been you know in the 2010s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What yeah. that means is that, A, they aren't automatically going to save Marvel's ass, but B, you know, Feige and friends need to do the work to make films that are appealing and exciting and worth anticipating even outside their connection to the MCU. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that's such a great point because when you look at something like Barbie, right? Barbie is a female-led movie with tons of diversity in it. And it was a huge, huge hit, right? And the movie was something people liked. It was a good movie, according to the public. So if Marvel can do that, then they can also have big movies it's not out of their grasp it's just like you said the quality has been so poor and yes the marvels i've heard people have enjoyed it but it did get a b and that yeah, is eternals level kind of shocks me because yeah, but those those are the hardcores though those were the yeah, hardcores yeah. who went and saw it so i mean because we can see the hardcores that are following marvel everywhere now are $46 million worth of people. That is way different than what it was during 2019 when the first one came out. So it's not out of the grasp to make this sort of movie. It's just, can they? And that's the question. And I think as far as the inclusivity diversity argument, there's two points to be made. First of all, the people online that are you know, constantly making YouTube videos and trolling social media networks, it's a self propelling economically driven grift i mean you know that i mean it's, right, it's an economy right. unto itself they will never stop because it's how they make money mm -hmm. right and right. we because the you know we were morons in 2015 2016 2017 and took these idiots seriously and you had the media not me not hopefully not you but definitely others, not us no. <laughs> not us we're, we're just no, getting we don't YouTube have to turn you know right. we don't have to pretend that the men bitching about woman-only Wonder Woman's screenings have a point. Right. We don't right. have to pretend that the you know, racist and sexist trolls whining about Ghostbusters working their childhood deserve a seat at the debate table. And, and when and, you look at the Marvels bombing this weekend, you hate to see that then being able to be used as evidence there. When again, this movie would have bombed if it was, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, Mr. Marvel, Senor Marvel, you know, Joe Marvel. This movie was going to yeah. bomb this weekend because people And that's the tragedy that the film that that 
you know, again, what Marvel waited so long to make these kind of films that the mere idea of a comic book superhero movie set in the MCU is no longer an event unto himself. So the film ran into the problem that's been, frankly, plaguing inclusive entertainments for the last several years. Well, last decade or so, but specifically in the last several years, which is that inclusivity and diversity is an added value element, makes movies better, provides positive social change, yada, yada, yada. It also is an added value element for films that people already want to see. Right. But audiences will not show up for a film that they otherwise don't want to see just because it contains representation for one demographic or another. Right. Yeah. People I want mean, to see yeah. a movie because they want to see a movie. And then, well, yeah. and, and nothing's going to keep them away in that way. And exactly. nothing's going to make them see something they. And that's they why I always get pissed about, oh, you know, China's racist because of the. If, first of all, Black Panther made about as much in China, more in China than like Guardians of the Galaxy one and two and three. Right. You know, it made about what was par for the course, you know, rounding error of what Chinese, what superhero movies were doing in China at that point. So, well, and so, you look at the Fast and Furious franchise yes. and La Familia. Coco was I mean, a smash in China. Yeah, yeah, the those were uh, Seoul made money was China. Yeah, those movies are big and they are very diverse. And it's like the reason people didn't see Fast X was they didn't all of a sudden become uh, racist and sexist. Fast X isn't at the level of quality that the previous films are. It's just More true. So. I think Fast X is by default the best one since Furious 7, but the ones since Furious 7 haven't been particularly good. Yes. I mean, the, the Fast <laughs> series has almost fallen into a bit of a Tomb Raider trap at yeah. this point where the sequels people didn't and like. I, I don't want to oversell Fast X. It's mostly because I thought Jason Momoa was out. But Well, so you, know, you mentioned Jason Momoa. He's hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend. You know, the actors are promoting again. Aquaman 2, I feel like this has come up almost every episode we've had you on in the last year, and and we've all been, and especially you have been like, it's going to be fine, it's James Wan, it's still this character that people love the first time, the star is back, the first one made a billion, and you know, you're, uh, it seems like your take had been, it's going to make less, but 70% of the first one's still 700 million, you know, around that. Coming off of this Marvel's movie and seeing just how bad The Flash, Shazam 2, and Blue Beetle did, and the fact that James Gunn seems to be just really wanting to move on and get to his stuff, could this Aquaman 2 flat-out bomb at this point? I mean, is is this a movie that could open to Marvel's numbers? Could this open to 50 domestic? Or do you still feel well, James Wan is there? Sorry. Sorry. No, go for it. I think for what it's worth, the first Aquaman only opened to 72 million. It just had mm -hmm. legs incredible, even for Christmas legs. It was the leggiest live action comic book superhero movie since Tim Burton's Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, does this weekend give me pause? Yes, it does, of course. That being said, I think the people that liked Aquaman didn't necessarily like it because it was a comic book superhero movie. Right, right. And I think Warner Brothers knows that, you know, they're certainly not going to sell it as the next chapter in the now defunct DC universe. Right. They're going to sell it as it's another Aquaman movie. You like the last one. Everyone's back. They, and, they should almost sell it as, hey, this is sort of like Avatar, you know? Oh, yeah. Sell exactly. it as a fantasy the, yeah, water Exactly. Movie. They're selling it like the year end. I'm hoping they're going to sell it as this is this year's year end fantasy spectacular. 
Right. And there are very, very few examples in the last 25 years of that, those films, you know, underperforming or bombing. I mean, even the freaking Hobbit prequels did $2.9 billion that, you know, that, opening around the same time. That's um, the key. He's not a superhero. He's a Hobbit. He's an Avatar guy. Like he is, he is fan. A he is a fan. He's a Jedi. Maybe not a Jedi right now, but yeah, that that's yeah. you nailed it. They got to sell it as this is fantasy. This is not superhero. And again, I, I don't know if it's any good. I do think it's interesting that like half the online discourse about the film being in trouble is about a whether it's part of the DC universe or not, and b which Batman, if any, makes a cameo. Which, in terms of the movie. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, the general audiences will not give two craps if a Batman shows up in this. Will it be George? One. Most audiences won't give two craps either way, whether Amber Heard is in it. Right. That's that's so true. Amber Heard is not a household name no. other than to people online or mm-hmm. no offense, older housewives who watch E.T. and access Hollywood. Um do you think that the Batman that shows up in Aquaman two is George Clooney's head on Michael Keaton's body, which is now, now the well, canon. If, if Zasloff got his Batman. way. I'm sure it's a reanimated corpse of Adam West. Yes. Yes. I mean, um, yeah. It, it didn't work going for the Gen Xers of Batman. No, no, no. Let me double now. down to make that even scummier. The reanimated corpse of Adam West voiced by the late Kevin Conroy. Wow. Oh, yeah, you got it. That's such fanboy service. It's exactly what they don't want. <laughs> um, and before um, we leave the superheroes, you know, next year, the superhero lineup is basically the MCU has Deadpool 3, which is an unconventional MCU movie. And yeah, I mean, it is interesting that Deadpool 3 is the MCU movie next year. And it's the first time we've had a Disney Deadpool. So it it is this introduction of this Fox property. And then a bunch of these Sony Spider-Man villain movies. They even count. I mean. They can't. They can't. The the Madam Web trailer drop. Sure. Venom 3 should be big. And, but Craven the Hunter and Madam Web are such unknowns and you know clayton and i are going to talk about the man of web trail in our after show but that dropped today and man that that one could be a morbius that feels like a morbius situation well it's it looks less boring than morbius it does uh craven looks like a more less coherent trailers i've seen for a major release of that nature in a while yes Yes, I was very confused about. Like, what I had to watch is... like three times to get basic. What the hell is going on here? Like, yes. Oh, this is like, you know, an early two thousands butterfly effect type sci fi. They've got special powers that can, you know, change the future, but at what cost? Blah blah blah. Yeah. And Pat, isn't also Joker two coming out next year? Another Joker very big... unconventional DC movie. Yeah. So you're getting a, a basically a year long break from par from the course. Which, if we weren't in the middle of a fucking strike, would be wonderful. Then we'd have a full slate of other movies just for audiences to put their money where their mouth is. Well, I mean, just looking ahead to next year in general, you know, because of the the six-month delay in production, next year feels like it's 2021 all over again. I mean, next year feels like we're going to have a weekend where we're hoping, hey, maybe In the Heights is going to be a huge movie. (laughs) Um, God. So... Yeah, I mean, could you just talk to your big picture 
thought to next year? Is it going to be that bad? Are we back to 2021 where it's Godzilla v. Kong, save us, please save us? I think it might be worse. Here's why. First of all, I'm looking at the summer calendar, and there's very little in there that I really, really want to see and I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like the first Twister, but I'm not chomping at the bit for a legacy sequel to Twister. Well, there's Um, more. There's Twisters. Yes, yes. So there will be more than one Twister. Yeah. Um, um, and I mean, I, I, I'm kind of encouraged that they moved the fall guy to May to sort of the summer kickoff movie. It's the first time since mm-hmm. 2006 that a Marvel movie has not been the, f- the first one out of the gate. Wow. Um, although there's still time for Sony to move a Craven to late April and have that be the <laughs> summer kickoff movie, which would be the perfect way to celebrate the 15th anniversary of X Men Origins Wolverine. Yes. Yes. And to further commemorate they will leak a dvd quality print online a month before release oh yes with with unfinished fx i think we really want to see that (laughs) well if they weren't that unfinished if you saw the final version (laughs) that is the only you're right it wasn't that much of a uh upgrade that is the only time i've ever seen that movies i saw the leaked version with a girlfriend at the time and it was it was the best it was the best part of that relationship anyway uh (laughs) That that's saying something. It really is. Um, but well, yeah, yeah. Now you know they're not the one because if you survive X Men Origins Wolverine, then she's a keeper. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the <laughs> test. That's the door test. And I mean, yeah. I mean, you'll pardon me. I should have. I mean, look at the seller. I mean, you know, one reason I think it's gonna be worse is a we you know we have fewer titles and b we don't have the Marvel movies coming to save our ass here and there. Right. You know, we don't right, have. Right. You know, we don't have a no time to, or even like a no time to die, or a, uh, you know, a Shang Chi, or a. Uh, I mean, again, I guess maybe Deadpool, maybe Joker, maybe, but you know, the, the, there's a lot less surefire hits in, in especially summer 2024. Right, which just looks. It's like, oh boy, a Quiet Place spinoff, neat. A Garfield movie, okay. A Furiosa prequel, I mean. I don't think anyone offline has any interest whatsoever in that. Yeah, I mean... Look, I love George Miller. He certainly has the benefit of the doubt, yada, yada, yada. But I know of no one coming out of Mad Max Fury Road thinking, you know what I really want to see? I want to see flashbacks to when they were sex slaves. Yeah, that is a tough sell. They're going to have to not use what you just said as the log line, for sure. But they're going to have to really... Although, you know what? Maybe, maybe nowadays that's, that's what people want to see, but you know, a big part of this past year, the box office has been the surprise factor of we didn't see months out Barbie coming. We didn't see sound of freedom coming. We didn't see five nights of Freddy's coming. We didn't see Taylor Swift, the errors tour, the movie coming. And I think you don't want to bank on surprises but that is going to have to be what saves 2024 is yes. a bunch of giant movies that we didn't either were, were underestimating or currently don't exist like a Taylor Swift, the Eras tour. Maybe yeah. she, you know, pulls 30 new awesome songs out of her hat and then puts another movie out. Who knows? Well, well, we're that's like a tour shot in IMAX cameras. I mean, listen, who knows? I mean, the thing about the Marvels that were coming out next year were that those weren't surefires because you had Thunderbolts and then you had the Captain America without 
actual Captain America, right? So neither of those were slam doinks. So that's the thing is that even if they would have stayed in their 2024 dates, I don't know if that would have saved the box office the way Marvel used to. I just don't think, I think this was a problem with Marvel scheduling that other than Deadpool three, they didn't have any surefire uh, sequels. Yeah. And, but even that, even so, I mean, and for the record, I agree with you. I'm just adding a yes. And one reason I'm so grim about this year's schedule is, you know, even if Captain America four and, 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 What's your Thunderbolts had come out and only done a turtles numbers. That would have been bad, but that's, you know, 800 million worldwide. That the theaters aren't going to see next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I mean, maybe inside out two will do anywhere near what inside out one does, but I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's grim. What's your, I mean, yeah. I'm, what's I'm, your quickly, what's your take on inside out two? What do you think? Uh, kids would be into ennui. Um, I think they would. I think that drives a lot of the what bad generation. In fact, they may be banking on that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I think Clayton, you know, we've had this out before. I think Inside Out ha- is just that kind of property for kids where you put out that second movie it's not for you, Clayton, but that movie's going to make a billion dollars. Well, Kids here's the thing: for Bling, Bing Bong was Bing. I know Bing Bong may have may have gone night night in the first one, but they're going to. It's going to be like Bing Bong's cousin will be in it. Like you got to bring Bing Bong back because yeah. they moved Ilio out of next year because they're like, okay, we can't have this. We need a sequel. We need a leg- legacy sequel, not a legacy, but we need a sequel to one of our big hits. And Pat, I think Inside Out 2 is going to be huge, but I think it's a sign of creative bankruptcy that is Mm -hmm. inevitably going to lead to Pixar still going down the drain, but they just have their fingers there holding themselves up tenuously because the Ilios don't then become the Inside Outs and the Lucas don't become the Ratatouilles and they don't become the Incredibles. That's the problem is that you're not seeing them create anything that is going to be able to be successfully uh, sequelized. So this is just stop gaps. Um, yeah. I mean, the only caveat I'd say to that is I think, I think Elio would have done very well. had it opened in March just because a, I think a big part of elemental was sort of, retraining audiences to see Pixar movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a good one that wasn't, I mean, I didn't hate light here, but you know, it's sort of a, what you see is what you get kind of thing. Um, again, I think it bombed for the same reason as solo, a star Wars story did. Nobody asked for this. Um, but I think Elio had a great trailer that had a very simple appealing hook. And obviously it's not coming out to what uh, a year and a half from then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just don't think you could follow elemental. Out. I think overall, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you um, can't follow elemental with it momentum, not well, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Oh, uh, just again, I think the hope was that Elemental was so leggy and and eventually beloved that the next one out of the gate benefits from that. Um, but I don't know. We'll never know because they moved it a year and a half. Pat, we can't hear um, you. Sorry, what was that? 
Oh, I was just no. telling Pat we couldn't hear him. Oh, oh okay. So, uh, no, I agree. It it basically elementals washed that bad taste out of out of everyone's mouth that that we got from Lightyear. So yeah, next year is looking light. But I'll tell you what, Scott, this weekend, this coming weekend, Friday, November, what is it, seventeenth? This is a jam-packed weekend at the box office. You know, as as light as next year looks, the next couple of weeks, just this year, have got a lot of big movies coming out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the big one that had been kind of a question mark for a while is this Hunger Games reboot. Lionsgate has Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and it's starring Rachel Zegler from West Side Story and... This is one of those that has done kind of a reverse the Marvels, where a few months ago, I, I feel like everyone had left this movie for dead, had said a Lionsgate is just rebooting it so they don't lose the rights to the IP, or they, they need to show that they have Hunger Games, so when they try and sell the company, the, some other company wants to keep making Hunger Games movies, and... Now, I, I'm hearing some good buzz on this. You know, the reviews haven't been out of this world, but there just seems to be some kind of excitement. So starting with this movie, where 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 do you got your finger in the wind when it comes to the Hunger Games reboot? Is is the buzz real? Are people excited? Or is it just... I'm genuinely surprised by the generally mixed... I mean, I, I, you know, tomato, Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregation site, mm-hmm. but... I really liked it. Okay. And I was, you know, walking out of the screenings. Most people I talked to thought it was at least, hey, that was better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am a little surprised by the the turning consensus, which whatever. Right. Um, that being said, what Lionsgate has done, and this is probably the smartest thing that it, one of the smartest things that any major studio has done in terms of franchises is that they have been very adamant that this is one movie based wow. on one book. And if people like it and they show up, maybe you'll get another one. But this wow. isn't the start of a five-part prequel franchise. Mm-hmm. This isn't the start of a trilogy. We've already got the next two release dates picked. This right. is one movie. And that is so smart. I, and I I and from what I gather, and you know, they spent about a hundred million on it, give or take. And I think they will be very happy if they get divergent numbers. Okay. Yes. White, which is over under 300 million. Worldwide. Okay. And, and over under 140 domestic. And um, is, is this a movie that just takes place in this universe, but isn't a remake of the Jennifer Lawrence Katniss story? Oh, not at all. Not at all. I mean, okay. It's very different. Got it. And that's not a slight on, on the previous pictures. For one thing, Rachel Ziegler is, I think, Lucy Gray is her name. It's a very different person. Okay. Um, without getting into better or worse, because who cares? But, I mean, she's she's not. You know, if you remember this, I mean, you know, this was weird, because by this time, Twilight was also be distributed by Lionsgate by the end. But, you know, the first Hunger Games was basically sold as the anti-Twilight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, you know, everyone that was complaining about Bella Swan being this passive, unfeminist character... It only cares about romance, blah, blah, blah. I think, oh, I know the antidote to that is uh, Katniss Everdeen, this badass, weapon-wielding, death-dealing ass-kicker who doesn't care about love and is taking down a corrupt empire. Right, and, of course, right. if you've seen the movies, A, that's the narrative that's in the movies. 
where she has turned into this unwilling propaganda figure slash feminist action hero for very, what turns out to be very self-serving purposes. Mm-hmm. And B, that film had a love triangle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Twilight didn't have a love triangle. That was entirely fabricated by marketing and the fan base. If you read the books, if you watch the movies, she never had any interest in Jacob whatsoever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But you had to have that those teams. all fabricated. We sold so many Team Jacob shirts so back in those shirts. days. Yes. So many. We so all many. We those all in my uh, uh, they're in the closet with my vote for Pedro shirt. Yeah. Um now, now um you used Divergent as a great comp 2014 54 million opening, right? So that's where people are seeing this. And if that comes to pass, that's pretty great. And I would say when you're talking critics, when you're talking Rotten Tomatoes, I think Again, we're talking about the the sea change when it comes to the box office and what is big and what is going to be a hit. I think there's a lot of critics that are millennials, maybe elder millennials, who look at Hunger Games as sort of a joke, as an IP and as a franchise. So they are not caught up with what younger people actually want to see. And I think that's the thing is that they don't have the interest in this that a younger generation does. And so there's a blind spot there. And that's why you're getting critics being like, I don't get this or I don't like this. Um, That would be nice because it would be nice if this new Hunger Games film was a success because of kids and not people my age on a nostalgia trip. Mm-hmm. Um, because after all, I mean, the Hunger Games was and so far remains the last new to cinema live action successful theatrical franchise that pulled top tier blockbuster numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been standalone films since then, obviously Barbie, yada, yada, yada. We'll probably get a Barbie sequel, yada, yada, yada. But since the hunger games ended in 2015, there has not been another new to cinema live action franchise that spawned multiple installments that pulled I think even over 600 million worldwide a piece. Um, mm-hmm. And that just, you know, it's, 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 I don't want to say I called it, but you know, I did write that essay right before the last one came out. You know, are we wow. going to see another one of these? Uh, he called it. You um, don't say it, but we'll say it. He called it. Well, I was writing essays in like 2011, 2012 saying I was excited for the Hunger games because it was a new property for today's kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so now I mean, it. Five Nights at Freddy's is one of the worst movies of the year, but I'm thrilled it was a hit because my kids liked it. Yeah. Yes. That's the very young generation. Now, we got an email yeah. from one of B.O. Boy, Austin, old school, OG, actually got into box office because of you, Scott. You created right. this man, and he is a very smart gentleman. And he said that Hunger Games is exactly his generation. He was in middle school, high school, right when the films hit their peak. And there's a certain generational nostalgia for this franchise in his demographic. So he is saying that he thinks his generation is going to come out in droves for this film and surprise some people. Good. I, I mean, I'm looking Good at movie. I'm looking at Austin's prediction here. He wrote us B.O. Boy, uh, the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. He's predicting 68. I mean, is is there a wonderful. world? Yeah, is there a world, and maybe it is something to, we've seen this this year, people want to go to the movies, and young people mm-hmm. do want to go to the movies. You know, they want events, and they all decided, young people, that the Marvels was not the event. But maybe, 
they're saving it up for this weekend. You know, like there is something to the Hunger Games uh, uh, could benefit from, all right, tepid reaction last weekend because we're saving it all to go out this weekend. You know, we'll give our predictions at the end of this episode when we do our top fives. But yeah, Scott, what do you see as the ceiling for this movie? Could it hit 60, 70 million? Sure. I mean, I I, I think that's overly optimistic just because I'm a cynical, cranky bastard. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I mean, that's certainly within the realm of possibility. I'd be more optimistic if the overall general critical consensus was better. Right. Because I think, you know, we have a situation like Bad Boys for Life, which was, you know, an ages, you know, 15 years in development sequel that everyone's like, oh, this is such a cheap cash and blah, blah. And then we all saw it. It's like, holy shit, this movie's great. Oh, And so the film great. opened much better than it projected because of the positive reviews and the positive word of mouth in those last few days leading up to opening weekend. Yep. Um, that was such a great weekend when that kept going up and up and up me and Pat texting each other excited, elated at that moving up the charts. It's possible that this does the same. Um, the, the caveat, there are caveats. A it's, I mean, it's the hunger games. It's not quite a crowd pleaser in the conventional Mm, sense. Okay. Um, It's it's depressing. It's over two and a half hours. And that's I big. I don't begrudge that because whatever, but you know, I think there is a 140, 135 minute movie of this that exists, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 and I do think, you know, and I'm getting way in the weeds here. I mean, the film's about a ridiculously attractive woman who hits it off with a very handsome, but problematic dude. And, can they make it work? Can she fix him? Is he beyond saving? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, that's, that's fanfic. That's a dire genre of fanfic right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, listen, it's gone with the wind. It's gone with yeah. the wind. It's you know? Rilo the movie. Yep. So, um, so you mentioned Rachel Zegler, the star of this movie, you know, the hunger games made Jennifer Lawrence into a mega star, you know, and, and then she became, uh, a box office star outside of that with the David O. Russell movies that she had lined, but that one made her a giant worldwide star. Obviously star making these days is harder than ever. You've seen this film, this box office could do 50, 60, 70 million perhaps this weekend. Is this a potential star making performance for Rachel Zegler? Do you, do you, are you making a face there? Elaborate. Scott. Well, a, this isn't 2012 anymore. Mm. And I, I that's the big thing is that, you know, it's, it's even if everything goes right for this film, this doesn't magically mean that casting Rachel Ziegler in a mid-budget studio legal thriller will get people in seats. Right, right. And you can debate to what extent Lawrence was able, even able to pull that. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, it's weird because like Red Sparrow was a flop, but it made 170 million. This might be a very long, incredibly violent and, nudity filled grim dark spy drama she and got 60, 70 million she got 60 million dollars domestic about a lady selling a mop so yes i would say that i would say she was a legit star yeah um and that sort of goes to the whole problem with one of the problems with modern stardom which is that the budget just got just got too big you know, right. if if top gun cost 150 million back in 1986 you know we'd probably be having a very different conversation right um right. but she is terrific in this picture. Okay. 
I think she's fine in West Side Story. I think she's fine in Shazam. But those are not particularly complex roles. Mm-hmm. And look, I like West Side Story, Spielberg to God, yada, yada, yada. But she is, by virtue of the material, a relatively straightforward, simple, you know, virginal love interest. Right, right. She's the fourth she's most interesting the, person. Yeah, and she's basically the same thing in Shazam's Fury of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Which again, that's mm-hmm. the role. That's She's not the star of that, yada, yada, yada. This is really the first time we've seen her give what I would consider a genuine, honest-to-goodness movie star performance. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. is terrific. All right. Um, wow. And, and if this needs to be said, again, the online grifting is just that. It's online grifting. The real yes. world has no strong opinions about Rachel Ziegler because they probably don't even know who she is. Yes. And they yeah. don't have an opinion on Snow White genuinely no. until the no, movie comes the be- out. That's, that's the yeah. best one. Because, I mean, on what earth is Snow White held up as some kind of, you know, macho masterpiece? Right. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> there you I see mean, somebody. I mean, almost get you know, blue collar, manly men, Ghostbusters being offended or boo hoo. There's women in my Star Wars or whatever. But fucking Snow White. Right. Yeah. Right, right. She's not remaking Rocky. Yes. And, yeah. Um. So, yeah. so this weekend you got the Hunger Games movie. Well, We've speaking also- of trolls, I mean, Touché. not online trolls, but animated trolls band together. The trolls are banding together this That's weekend. Excellent segue. Thank you. And again, <laughs> this is this is sort of a situation that Paw Patrol had. Where like the first one was big, we know that. Second one came out one of the first PVOD movies during COVID that came out on PVOD. The uh, first and, oh, I'm sorry, the um trolls. The the second trolls oh, came out on PVOD. Yes, yes, yes. And that was that the was... first. I mean, that was before PVOD was even a term, right? Yes. And so that one you can't really judge what the box office was. This one, the third movie in a question mark popular franchise, because we don't know, is this going to have similar numbers to something like the first Trolls? Or is this going to be a Smurfs 2 situation? It's going to be a Smurfs 2 situation, but they've counted for that in the budget. Okay. The movie costs around over under $95 million, give or take. It's already made 67 overseas. Um, it's not going to do as well as the first one. It did 346 million worldwide. No, it's something like 350, 370 million worldwide, 150 domestic in late 2016. But frankly, I think Universal knew that was going to happen with the second one, which is one reason why they sent it to PVOD, mm-hmm. among lots of other variables, obviously. But I think that did factor the decision that it was almost certain to be the, an animated sequel that, like Lego Movie 2, like Angry Birds 2, um, there was a third one that I on Secret Life of Pets 2. Yeah. Yep. You know, even if the previous one was a well-liked success, you know, people aren't nostalgic for those particular characters. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not marked characters in the way that Woody and Buzz or Anna and Elsa or Hiccup and Toothless are. Right. And uh, you know, the first movie, the first trolls, you had the Justin Timberlake song, Can't Stop the Feeling, gigantic song that definitely affected the box office. Justin Timberlake. Not as popular. <laughs> Boy, now. Is he glad he doesn't have to promote this movie. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the strike is over. <laughs> I nobody, mean, is not, for, not for him, it's not. No, nope, nobody told him. 
No, so his people uh, did not tell him. He's going to be pretending to be one of those people, like the Japanese soldiers that were on an island that didn't realize war was over. He doesn't know that the SAG strike is over, so he doesn't have well, to answer Brittany questions. Yeah, yeah. he he's on a silent retreat, uh, retreat like Jared Leto was at the beginning <laughs> of the COVID pandemic. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, you're right. He's not quite as uh, fuzzy wuzzy as he was, seven, you know, six seven years ago. Yeah, listen, oh. I think you're you've nailed it. This movie is not going to make as much as the first one. I wonder if the PVOD nature of the second one hurts this or people forget. You know, there's something to tarnishing the 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 <gasps> brand a little bit yeah. where people now see this as, oh yeah, that's TV trolls. Why is this in a movie and theater? That is one reason why MGM was so adamant about not letting No Time to Die go out on VOD or streaming right. or whatever. Because I mean, they were offered ungodly amounts of money, um, mm -hmm. but they, to their credit, stuck firm and said, "No, this is a theatrical franchise. If yeah. you do this once, then it's over." Now, again, yeah. this is trolls. So, I mean, it's it's this... it's even if it does, you know, opens to twenty five million and legs out to seventy five, because DreamWorks movies are always very leggy. Um, and then does another, you know, again, it'll be a hit. It'll be a solid money maker. Um, and it'll do very well in both theatrical. EVOD, yep. VOD, DVD. It'll do well on yeah. Peacock, whatever that's worth. And then it'll pop up on Netflix and be their most watched movie for a week or two. And everyone will be happy. Yeah. And, and, and this is a, a, a jukebox musical, which we've seen yes. movies like Sing and Sing 2 do really well with that sort of uh, format for kids. So, yeah, even though the actors in it are a little bit stale, I mean, Anna Kendrick and, and Justin Timberlake being your two leads in 2023 means a lot less than it did in 2016. But uh, and I think there's an in sync song that might have and I don't know how well it's doing pop, you know, you know, pop culture wise. Probably but that was a thing well. about this. Uh, but still, I do think, again, Scott, what you're saying is that this is not going to reach the heights, but. Th no. This is a, you said something very, very that that is very indicative of a of a studio that knows what they're doing. And that Universal said, okay, we can't shell out as much money to get less return, right? And yeah. so I think that is a lesson that can be learned by all of these studios. You know, Marvel especially. It's like, yes, if you look at a forty six million dollar opening for the Marvels, maybe your next movie. Your Blade movie, it doesn't have that big of a of a of a, you don't have two hundred million dollars you know riding on this thing. Right, right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean you know you got to remember during the Phase Two Golden Era, you know the Marvel movies generally cost around one hundred and seventy. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's inflation and a lot even more inflation over the last couple of years and COVID protocols and all of that jazz, but you know I mean I think there's a case to be made that except for like Avengers five, whatever that's going to be, you know, you keep, you cap these puppies at 200 million come hell or high water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look to the trolls, um, learn a lesson from, from, from trolls, get the band back together and keep those budgets um, manageable for the sequels. I, I do think it's, you're right. That's interesting how this theatrical franchise where the second film was basically a home video release for all intents and purposes will now perform as a theatrical again. And that was my fear back in December 2020 when when they threw HBO or when they announced that Wonder Woman 84 was going to Max. Like you just killed it as a theatrical franchise. Yep. Yep. 
And even more so, I do think that, I mean, Trolls has another issue, which is that they have a series that is also available for free on streaming. So there is a dilution there. I mean, I think Normally, you see that with- I'd agree with you, but DreamWorks, for whatever reason, has been putting out cartoon episodics of basically all of their movies for the last decade. And so far, it doesn't seem to be negatively impacting the movies. Right. Like I mean, the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Yeah, there's a ton of have- How to Train. In yeah. continuity. <laughs> yeah the villain from part two who survives part two dies in the tv show wow so that's the mcu that worked in terms of yeah. mixing tv and movies is they had to because they differentiate story. between okay the big fuckers are the ones you see in theaters everything yes. else is if you want yes and i think that's what the tv shows are too it's just the disney marketing machine kind of forced them to say oh you have to watch these disney plus shows to see what's going on even though that's not the case at all. right Right. I mean, I always joke that my favorite scene in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is when he goes to meet Wanda and he says something to the effect of, shut up, Wanda. I didn't have time to watch your stupid television show. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, th- yeah, that that Doctor Strange movie, I think, is gonna be looked at as you know, it was a giant hit, but it definitely was something that I think had a lot of effect on the psyche of the audience in terms of because they weren't you know, used to seeing real movies. Right, right. <laughs> so this weekend we got trolls, and I think everyone we're on the same page. It'll do fine. The rats need their cheese. There hasn't yes. been a big kids movie. The Taylor Swift movie has to slow down. So the singing kids in the theaters are gonna want to sing to something else. So they'll sing to N Sync, I guess. But another movie coming out this weekend, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. This and listen, I'm a horror fan, Clayton is a horror fan. We love the original trailer for this in the Grindhouse movie that came out almost 20 years ago. 2007. This to me. Yeah. This feels like a movie no one asked for in a real way. And obviously it's a horror movie. I'm sure it's low budget. The seal, you know, it doesn't have to do that well to do well, but I, I get that it's called Thanksgiving. So you open it a week before Thanksgiving, but this does feel a little strange opening right now, this crowded weekend. We just had our glut of October Halloween movies. So, Scott, do you feel like this is going to do above average horror, below average horror? I kind of feel like it might do below think, average horror. I think they're expecting a, you know an over under 10 million. Uh-huh. And that you know it might overperform because, holy shit, the reviews are spectacular. That, I don't know if you've checked. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> like it's hard enough for me to convince my wife to see Oscar movies with me this season, let right. alone when Thanksgiving, which is totally her shit, is getting better reviews than most of the Oscar bait. Right, right. It, that that is interesting. And Eli Roth is obviously he's not the 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 you know cause celeb that he may have been in the hostile days, but yeah, he he definitely is just a he's a good filmmaker. So him making a good movie makes sense. Um, I, I, am just so curious about who, who wants this, but yeah, it's horror. So it's horror, Pat. Yeah. I'm aghast at you. We've had so many conversations with Brett from the, uh, wonderful new flesh podcast, hashtag, uh, horror lifestyle, uh, new father. So, uh, I feel like, you know, uh, this movie 
is a, uh, instead of a 70s homage, it's been updated to a 90s homage. And you can tell from the poster, it has a very Scream-esque poster that was released. Uh-huh. And I think that you saying this not being released in horror season is a mistake. It's called Thanksgiving. If they would have released it yeah. any other time than Thanksgiving, You're they right. would have gotten the shit kicked out of them. So this is the perfect time to release this film if they were going to. Your question of who wants this, kids want horror. They want to see people get slashed. We've seen this. The other thing is there is a very famous viral star in this film i'm gonna look up her name but she was got famous oh. from tiktok dancing do you know who i'm talking about here uh, uh, uh scott addison? addison ray yes addison ray who has a butt ton of followers on social media so she will be promoting the heck out of this movie now especially because she can <laughs> And so I think that this is going to surprise you when you say lower tier. Are you saying this is going to do invitation, Pat? Because well, I don't think what, it's going to go that low. That That's what I'm thinking. Does this make eight or no. nine million no. as opposed I mean, to like, it could it hit? Well, no, it's not gonna, I don't think it's going to do 25. I think 15. No, it's not going to. It's not going to do Megan. But no. best case for this is, yes, I think what Scott said was uh, 12 to 15. I really think this could make $15 million. Yeah, it's it's a crowded weekend, though, we've seen this year. That could help, you know, that these things could piggyback on each other. And maybe the kids make this a big movie going next four or five days with Thanksgiving and the Hunger Games movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm looking at it as just the IP, which is, you know, making a movie out of the joke trailer from, you know, almost 20 years ago. But I guess in the end, that doesn't matter. He just made this movie. It doesn't matter if you've ever seen the fake original trailer. Yeah, I think we're past the idea that that is propelling this because the excitement for that probably dissipated in 2012 when we didn't see a Thanksgiving film. Right. So I think we're past the fact that this is uh, the uniqueness or the novelty of that. This used to be a trailer and now it's a full movie. I mean, that was such a long time ago that you can't coast on that. You right. could have in in the late 2000s or the early 2010s. But now this has to be a spectacular movie. And like you were saying, Scott, I mean, the critics and a lot of times for horror, critics don't matter. But when it comes to the people who don't it normally helps. go see horror movies, it definitely helps. So the gore hands are there no matter what. But yeah. it's other people that are saying like, hey, I'm going to go out of my way to see this. Instead of, say, I don't know, uh, what would be a, a good comp of a horror movie that sort of didn't do well recently. The, the Pope's Exorcist, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm there's looking... A, there's a breakout sequel in the making. I, I'm looking at the cast list for this movie, and yes, Addison Ray seems to be the star, this TikTok star. You got Rick Hoffman, who's an Eli Roth regular. Um Sexiest man alive, Patrick Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey, Gina Gershon, comedian Tim Dillon, and Jeff Fahey. So they're not going with stars in this. We'll say that. That's not what's going to 
help this break out is any movie stars. I don't think anyone in that list is going to be made. But she a is a star. star. She's, She's not a, a movie star, star okay. but she is a star. It's like you are the one who came on here uh, several episodes in a row and talked about Matt Pat, Matt Pat, Matt Pat, Matt Pat. Okay. And he's, how he, and as Scott looks confused, he is a YouTuber who made a cameo in the five night. Okay. My children. He has kids. Me. He knows. He has kids. He knows. He knows. <laughs> she has not broken out as a, a a star in the movies, but she definitely is a known quantity. And if she if there is a level of I don't know what her online thing is, but I know there's a lot of people who love her, a lot of people who hate her. If she gets killed in this movie, and this is a Paris Hilton type. Let's let's see this person oh, yeah. get murdered. That can drive traffic to the okay. theaters. So you're saying this is at Paris Hilton House of Wax. We want to go see uh, her. Or they love I her. I don't know. We don't know. They might love her and there might be people who hate her, but but who knows? Maybe she survives. I don't know. I don't think she's the final girl. I haven't seen this film. But there is a level of does she get killed? I mean, we knew Paris Hilton was going around saying, I get killed in this. So right. we knew that was coming. Yeah, this we don't know. It, it was, yes, it was, yes, absolutely. So uh, last new movie opening this weekend. Wow, what a huge weekend. We've got a Taika Waititi movie coming out. Next Goal Wins. It stars Michael Fassbender. It's your, you know, underdog sports coach, cool runnings type, you know, bring a coach into an unfamiliar situation and he's going to, Get these losers to win. It's a soccer movie. So, Scott, this movie, how long has it been delayed? I mean, is this a movie that was supposed to come out in 2020, 2021? Oh, uh, yeah. It just, yeah. Honestly, I have not followed the you know, the schedule of this one just because it's not my day-to-day obligation at the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know it's, you know, it's been delayed countless times for one reason or another. Um. Does this feel like a complete toss off by the studio? Yeah. Is this is this Disney Fox? Is that what this is? This is Disney twentieth century putting this out. Oh uh, yeah, and again the reviews are meh. It's not going to win any Oscars, so right? That that you lose it, and you know this isn't Jojo Rabbit, which was actually in the game and right. won, and you know actually won awards. Um, so yeah, this is this is. The kind of movie that everybody says they don't make anymore, but when they do make them, nobody shows up. This was his one for me in between Thor films. Um, and whatever. Yeah. It it's it does. This is the type of movie that is a movie without an island. I mean, a movie like this does have to be really good to get any kind of audience buzz. You're right. It's it's a movie that in the 90s probably makes double what it's going to make just by virtue of being a movie with a celebrity, with a movie, you know, a, a known movie actor in the lead. Um, nowadays, a movie like this gets middling reviews. I mean, this could open to like three or four million dollars, honestly. Yeah, something like that. Oh, this will absolutely cry macho. Wow. So you're saying under three and a half. Well, Cry Macho, I believe, was four. Okay. Okay. Let's um, look at the exact Cry Macho. Yeah. And Fastbender, and he has a big movie coming out at some point. I mean, I know he has The Killer on Netflix, but doesn't he have a, for not Ferrari? Is he got, does he have some? No, that's Adam Scott. That's Adam Scott. 
Yeah, I mean, Adam Fassman, Driver, Adam Driver, Adam Driver, Adam, Driver, Adam, Driver. Adam Scott, of course, is in. Uh, uh, he was in the Madam Web trailer, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Fastbender. I say Adam Scott. I meant Adam Driver. Adam yes. Tired. Sorry. It, um, but yeah, Fastbender. I think this is just another movie in the line of Michael Fastbender is not going to be a movie star, and he's a great no, actor. Oh. We all love Shame, but I've been saying since 2013. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Pat, yeah, that that definitely has <laughs> that's already been uh sort of uh yeah. filed away as a a a, a non-starter. Yeah. So um, so I, I say we get into our top fives now and give our predictions yes. for the weekend with dollar amounts on it. So Scott, as the guest, you have the choice of would you like to go first, second, or third in giving your predicted top <sighs> five for this get weekend? It over with. Getting it over with. There we go. Rip the Band-Aid off, Scott, and give us your predictions for the box office weekend of Friday, November 17th. Do any of these movies open on the Wednesday, or are they all open on the Friday? No, they're all opening uh, screenings tomorrow night. Got it. Uh, I guess... Okay, obviously, Hunger Games comes in number one with... Oh, God. Should I be optimistic, or should I be realistic? Optimistic, I say 55. Realistic, I say 45, and it has legs. Okay. Um, fuck it, 55. Wow. Yes. All right. Austin having a little influence on the legend Scott Mendelson. Very nice. So then. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. And I, I, I hope you guys are right about how it's appealing to, you know, the generation or two that was actually kids when these first films first came out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that's still generational nostalgia, but I'll take what I can get at this point. Um, so you got that at number one. So where, where is the rest of Trolls, your top five? number two, let's say 25. Okay. Could go as high as 30, but you know, it's almost, you know, in, ter- in terms of the, you know, they're both, those both will be successful results. Uh, Marvel's drops probably 65% with around 16 million, give or take. Um, then I guess Thanksgiving with, eh, let's go nuts. Let's say 15. Wow. Okay. And then either next goal wins or five nights at Freddy's, both of which do around 4 million bucks. All right. Five nights could stay in the top five. Love that top five there. Clayton, would you like to go second with your top five? I would love to go second. Uh, Number one, Slam Doink, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is going to make, I say, $52 million. But I agree, if it is lower, as long as it's not in the 20s or low 30s, I think this is a movie that the opening weekend is going to not be as heavily loaded as say a Marvel's opening weekend and not Mm -hmm. the Marvel's, but a Marvel movie opening weekend used to be. But again, I do think it'll have legs. Number two trolls band apart. I'm band apart band together. I think this makes, I I'm, I, I think rats need their cheese. I do think this makes 30 underneath that. Here's where I'm going to get, do you want to get nuts? I knew I knew you were going to do this. Go for it. Of course. Let's get nuts. Thanksgiving is going to open to $16 million to be Booyah. number three. 
Number four, I called an opening weekend that was Morbius last weekend for this movie. That did not happen. But the drop will be Morbius level 71%. This thing is going to make $15 million in its second weekend. And then I think next goal wins. I mean, if it cries macho, that'll be 4.2. I think it, I think it cries macho, but I think five nights at Freddy's is going to overtake it with 4.5. So I think next goal wins doesn't even make the top five. Five Nights at Freddy's stays at five. Wow. All right. So obviously, number one, I got the Hunger Games. I'm going the most optimistic out of all of us. I think it hit 60. I, I, yes. I think that that this this IP is still going to be strong with the you know tweens, teens, and 20-year-olds. I think that book has had some staying power. So I think that hit 60. Number two is going to be trolls. I'm not as high on this as the opening weekend. I do think it's a kid's movie, so it'll be leggy. But I think this could open as low as like 19. Honestly, I I, I think it could. I, I just feel like the second movie may have damaged the awareness that I think this is going to do 19 in the opening weekend. Number three, I'm going the Marvels. Um, the reviews have been good and i think there's a like an okay feeling about this and i think people go and this will get over thanksgiving coming in number four i got thanksgiving like 13 million i i'm hoping to be wrong horror proved me wrong i don't know this this one doesn't feel like it has much steam but i got that at 13 million and then number five I'm going to just go crazy and say Taylor Swift, the Eras tour of the movie jumps over five nights at Freddy's next goal wins is going to make like 2.7 million. That movie has just nothing going for it. So I think that's going to like come in like seventh or eighth. Um, so yeah, that's my top five. The last thing I want to get from you, Scott, before we go, just give us your 30 seconds on killers of the flower moon and the adult you know, adult movie coming off of Oppenheimer didn't really get that big bump, but does it matter? You know, do you think that Killers is sort of short term? Short term, it doesn't matter because Apple knew what they were getting into and Paramount made money before the first ticket was sold. Um, but I mean, this is a three and a half hour movie with no action, not a ton of violence, and what violence there is isn't particularly fun. It's dark, it's depressing, it's a downer. Um, DiCaprio isn't playing anything resembling a heartthrob, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a giant hit, but I do think it did as well as could be expected under the circumstances. And it's another testament to DiCaprio's star power because there's nobody else on earth other than, I don't know, Sandra Bullock that maybe could have gotten this movie to this kind of money. Right, um, right. Now... Does this mean that that Apple looks at spending two hundred million dollars on streaming movies and then partnering with a studio for theatrical release, of which they probably won't get most much of that money from that anyway, and thinks maybe we shouldn't be doing that? I don't know. I hope not because they can afford it, and that's sort of the plan. Between you know, Apple and Amazon allegedly investing billions of dollars a year in theatrical movies because they know that theatrical movies do better on streaming than streaming movies. Right, right, right. We all know that. We should have, you know, 
I and others have been screaming that since 2020, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that, you know, it, it's, it's because the streaming war is now very uh-huh. different than it was even a couple of years ago. You know, I don't know if there's still going to be, they're still going to have streaming originals that are budgeted like a theatrical feature, if not more so, because no one's getting paid in back end. Mm-hmm. With the knowledge that you know they won't make any tangible money from it, but they hope that the theatrical nature of its existence will mean it's more watched on a streaming platform, and that will somehow create a variable that makes their quarterly statement look better and will make their stock go up. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you look that's at the problem Sony, with the streaming era, this is all three card Monty, right? Yeah, right. Um, because it's not a matter of oh, this this film premiered on streaming and it got tons of viewership. And that means we win. Because as you know, you know, what Wall Street thinks about a given studio is almost is almost irrelevant in terms of what streaming content they had and how much that content was watched in a given quarter. Right. Yeah. I mean, we we're we're we were goofing on the Craven trailer and the Madam Web trailer. But Sony has it right. Sony doesn't have a streamer. They have a deal with Netflix. So even if those movies tank at the box office, guess what's going to be the number one watched movie on Netflix when it drops Craven and Madam web, and they're making money. So they've cracked it. Cause even if that's not valuable to Sony in terms of this flop is now most watched on Netflix, having that movie is valuable to Netflix, which means Sony gets Mm -hmm. made. Right. And this was, you know, I, I said it at the time, this was a brilliant deal on their part. They get out of the, you know, they don't even enter the streaming war. They make money on the sidelines selling the guns. Right. Um, kind of sort of do. And one, one last super quick hit, the holdovers. Is there, oh. do you see any box office potential for that? It's, no. it's coming at none, none. I mean, it's supposed to be very good. I'm sure it is very good. It may end up in the Oscar race. That will obviously move the needle a little bit, but this isn't it's, 2004. This isn't sideways. Yeah. It's, it's also such a crowded next couple of weeks and you have stuff like Napoleon, you know, you have movies that are actually serving an older audience in the way that older audiences go to stuff like the hunger games and, you know, and you have Napoleon coming out. So yeah, I, I, I wonder if maybe award stuff, if it could hold around, but it, it that movie making like two million this weekend doesn't seem like it's going to add up to. Although much I'll more. admit, I am pleasantly surprised by how well Priscilla has been holding. I think that one's already over twelve million dollars. Coppola holds. Coppola holds. Well, well, can I can I just give you one quick antidote that we got boots on the ground reporting from wannabe O senior intern Christopher. He's at a screening of Priscilla tonight. He's in Pennsylvania, and in the same theater which he saw the Marvels that had three people over the weekend. He said there's about 30 people in that same screening room seeing Priscilla tonight on a Wednesday night. And he heard, and listen, he's with the college kids. The college ladies are talking about Jacob Elordi. He's hearing chatter. That is why they're there. So if you're looking for that Priscilla hold, obviously Sofia Coppola, but this Jacob Elordi is Elvis. And and goddamn, Elvis is an IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's... If that is true, and I, you know, I'll assume it is, that is the second time in two years that we've had an Elvis film that overperformed because of a male heartthrob that was, you know, got his, you know, his Nick's doing YA melodrama. Yeah, I mean, Austin Butler spent a lot of time doing Disney Channel, Nickelodeon type stuff. Yeah, and that 
isn't nothing. Get in Elvis of, in the know, MCU. trade and in terms of becoming a heartthrob to a generation of, of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elvis is the part. Everyone's trying to be Captain Fantastic or Mr. Fantastic or be Batman. Elvis. That's the that's mm-hmm. the IP everyone well, needs. Well, we, we talk about Joker. We talk about Joker. You know, Elvis could be the new Joker. Now yeah. I know it's late <laughs> and 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 we got we, we gotta we, go. We, we gotta go, but Pat, we cannot not ask Scott about Ac- uh, Acme versus Coyote. The yeah. whole thing that's happened with this, um, they are now reversing course. They're letting people bid on this thing. Other filmmakers have said, hey, Warner Brothers, we're canceling our meetings. We're, yeah. we're out of it now because of this. What do you think of this situation? Is this is this damaged Warner Brothers for the future? Yeah, and my um, Batgirl didn't help, but at least there you had this this confluence of of circumstance that almost made it make sense. Now you had a film that allegedly didn't test well that was intended for streaming, but because it's streaming, everybody gets paid up front. It had a theatrical budget of like seventy to ninety million, but because it's streaming, and you know it had the production value of a forty million dollar movie. Um, and but this was a film that tested well that was allegedly good. And again, it just goes back to the notion of the film was greenlit for HBO Max before Hollywood realized that, you know, you can't do that for a film that's going to have no revenue. And Zaslav may be the devil himself, but he was ahead of the curve on realizing that. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's been out front since the beginning saying making big budget movies for streamers is stupid. Right, right. You know, if you want, you know, if we are making movies that will play in theaters with theatrical worthy production values, because we know that those films will do better on max than quality, notwithstanding stuff like father of the bride and the fallout. Right. Or Steven mm-hmm. Soderbergh's no, 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 uh, shit. No, uh, no sudden movement, no sudden move. So, no sudden sudden move, move. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is a terrific uh, film, but, you know, it's, 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 is what it is. I, um, I mean, you got to make movie. If you're going to make a movie, make it for a movie theater, unless you're making a long Island Lolita TV movie from 1994. I totally agree. But this Acme V coyote, you got to put it out. You got, I mean, for and, them to have, for them to have, you know, Jerry Lewis vaulted this movie. It, it just was such a hornet's nest all the way around. And, Whatever money they gain in terms of tax write-offs, again, because this is all about what's Wall Street going to say at a certain amount of t- point in time, you know, it's it's you lose far more in terms of PR. Right. So we're going to wrap up there. Scott Mendelson, could you tell us where listeners could find you right now? Where could they find your work? Where should they follow you? Where should they get more Scott Mendelson? Uh, I'm still at therap.com. I'm on X. I'm on Blue Sky. And that's that. And of course, uh, the BO Boys emails the BO Boys podcast at gmail.com. Follow us uh, on social media at the BO Boys pod, Twitter X, and TikTok. And of course, uh, give us five star reviews on Apple Podcasts and watch us on YouTube. And thank you, Scott Mendelson, for an another amazing visit to the BO Boys. We thank you. And Clayton, I think that's all we got to say. I think that's it. So until next time, we'll smell you 
at the box office.